0: Hello and welcome back to the She Invest podcast uh, with your host. I'm Allie Fugit. and I'm Carrie Douglas, and this is She Invest. Uh So today, yeah, we're going to dive into uh, some boutique hotel uh, items, and we're kind of going to discuss the numbers and how we found the deal, what's going on, um, yeah, just to kind of you know give you an overview. Um, so I'm going to go through my deal, but yeah, Carrie, what do you have uh, before we get started?
1: Well, we're going to go through mine at a later time, but I'm really excited to just ask you the questions. Um, you, usually, you usually get to do all the talking, so I get to interview you today. So yeah. I want to know what got you guys started on the path to looking for a boutique hotel in the first place.
0: That is a great question. Uh, so when I first got the STR bug, is kind of like what I like to call it, um, that was the first time I had any type of fire or desire to get into real estate. And so at that point, I just started like binging every podcast, every like bit of knowledge I could consume on short term rentals. And uh, that was kind of when it kind of started to come into, um, you know, uh, popularity, for lack of a better word, for this boutique hotel space and the way that they were running them. Uh, And from I would say I was probably about we were eight months in, and we maybe only had three deals. And I started hearing, hearing people talk about it. And I just told Kyle, I was "Like, this is what I want to do. This is our goal. Uh, we put it on our vision board. That became like within a year's time, we would have one. And six months later, he, you know, we we found it. So yeah, that's that's the beginning stages of it." <laughs>
1: Okay, and that's why you got into short term rentals. And then, where, like, what in your short term rental journey prompted you to think like a boutique hotel was the next one?
0: Yeah. So our uh, short term rental journey is mainly co hosting. So we uh, did not pursue the full path of just purchasing. We have purchased. We do own one. We've we've owned and sold. But uh, from the co hosting standpoint, we can see the value. Right. Like we're kind of at a limited amount of money we make because we only charge a percentage. Mm -hmm. Um, but the whole idea behind the passive income is, uh, you can make three times your amount of a long-term rental and a short-term rental, right. Just off of one single family. But I told my husband, um, who he has like some commercial background, um, and he really wanted to like get into that commercial space. But at the time it was really hard because the market and there just wasn't a lot of deals, with what we the criteria we're looking for and i was like hey we know what we're doing in the short term rental space um you know what you're doing with the commercial side what if we just married the two we did this boutique hotel thing because then it's like instead of one single family home in one place i now have all these doors in one place that's making me extantial you know exponential amount of money per month passively and all, all these doors right so like I mean, you know, versus one, like we are now at a 35, what will be a 35 unit. So that's 35, you know, xing our money. Right.
1: Right. So what, so you're saying that he was interested in commercial, but maybe he was going to go like the multifamily route. And you Mm -hmm. suggested, let's take our short-term rental experience and marry that with what you're wanting to do in commercial real estate and look at a boutique hotel instead. And you're exactly right. The economies of scale where like, instead of you know 25 different roofs now you have all all of them under one roof right so okay exactly. very yeah, cool.
0: they're all yeah and like before that we were kind of looking down the path of like doing apartments right mm-hmm. essentially the same concept because we were in the long-term rental game before we got into short-term rentals so it was okay instead of having all these doors spread out for long-term rentals if we could get all the
1: apartments in the same
0: place so yeah, yeah just yeah. like marry the two things that we're good at and yeah. go
1: awesome okay thank you for answering that yeah. um so Do you want to kind of run through the the numbers of the deal? Like, um, I think you've already acquired the property. Can you go through like purchase price, down payment, um, estimated reno, just kind of some of the the basic figures of the deal?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I'm going to kind of pull this up here. Okay. All right. Um, So yeah, so the hotel we purchased, um, it will be called the Mallard Hotel. Uh, so here are some deal highlights that we have, and I'm just going to kind of pull this up so I can see it better. Okay, so for background information, this is a seller finance deal. So we found the deal. It was on market, but it had been sitting for a very long time. Um, the sellers were really asking way too much for the property at the value that it was currently holding. Mm-hmm. So we had a lot of room for negotiation and also I I think it's important to mention here that especially like with the students that we talk to um, and people that are trying to go down this path, uh, when you're doing seller finance, there is, or if you are talking to a owner and you're wanting to pursue seller finance, it's very important to figure out what their need is what do they want um out of this deal what are their goals coming up why are they selling right and because there's always a reason um whether that's you know return on investment um whether they're trying to um pursue their next deal whether that is they're trying to travel so like get into that so that's exactly what we did here so um we called we had a conversation with this owner. Uh, At first, they weren't really open to seller finance. However, when we had those conversations, we figured out that what they were trying to do was they had another deal. They needed so much money to put into that deal. And then they wanted so much money to put in their pockets so that they could travel. And so we were like, Mm -hmm. okay. So then we came back to the drawing board, right? And we were able to kind of come up with the terms that we laid this deal out with. So we landed on a purchase price of a million, uh, and even though we felt like we were slightly overpaying at the time for the home or for, sorry, for the hotel, uh, it was still worth it because of the value we could add. Uh, so yeah, so the amount that we actually ended up putting down was 200,000, um, on the home and then the seller carried back the extra 800 uh, grand and we have, uh, Five-year balloon investment-only payments um, for the first, uh, I believe it's two years. Okay. uh, Interest only.
1: Okay. Awesome. And then you have a rehab planned and it looks like that's about 800.
0: Yep. Yep. Rehab is about 800. Um, So we have, you know, and that's probably going to be a little bit more uh, funding wise, but the, yeah, so this particular property needed a complete gut and and rehab. So we bought the property at 40 units. Uh, we have gone in because we're currently in the renovation phase now. We have gone in, we have completely stripped the rooms down to stud uh, and this, it's concrete walls mainly in this particular units. Uh, and we've also, remove some walls to make some common areas. So we're going from a 40 unit down to a 35. Um, And then, so our rehab budget has kind of gone up too because of, I mean, you don't know what you don't know until you get into the nitty gritty of things. So we're actually looking more towards about 900 on our rehab budget. But again, from when we purchased this, this was, this was our current budget of about 800. Got it. Um, so you can see the money that we brought to close was 383. Again, um, we the seller only got 200, at the closing table. Um, the rest were other costs that gone went into that. Um, and then our holding costs, we planned on turning this um, hotel over in two to three months. It's probably going to take, it's taking us closer to four um to finish it so our holding costs will also be a little higher but thankfully we had some contingencies in there Mm -hmm. uh and then yeah what we needed to raise at the beginning to get everything started was 500 grand
1: okay awesome um do you want to share a little bit about what it looks like or do you want to talk more through the numbers of what you expect it to produce
0: um we can yeah we can i mean we can talk about uh like you know just cash flow so that people can kind of have an understanding um so you can see on here that the like gross yearly revenue or income is going to be about um seven seven hundred sixty thousand roughly um we are estimating expenses to be about 63 uh so some other um questions that have come up on some coaching calls and stuff that we've done is oh well these these uh, owners are only, they're saying they're operating at like a 20% expense ratio and stuff like that. So um, they're lying. Um, You really need to do your due diligence when you're going through because the expenses that they presented to us was well below the expenses we have notated here for our pro forma. Mm -hmm. Um, So I just wanted to kind of throw that in there. Uh, Usually they are not, they they're not including what they're paying themselves. They're not including their taxes that they're having to pay. There's something missing along the lines that they are not accounting properly. So, yeah. yeah. So, um, so we're high on the expense ratio. Um, uh, you know, really you want to be towards that 50%, right? Um, is a safe, a, a safer. Yeah.
1: Minimum 50% expense ratio. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, but most cases, especially when you get started, uh, until you really get to figure things out, you are going to be operating more towards the 60, 65% mm-hmm. expense ratio. So that's another good thing. I feel like people need to know, um, looking at their hotel deals. Yeah. So so yeah, so we, we went in the app av- in between that 60 to 65, we went with 63. So we're at about $480,000, uh, yearly for expenses. Um, so our NOI is looking at about 280 grand a year, um, with our monthly being about twenty three, mm-hmm. which is pretty good. So again, like we talked about before, um, where only one short term rental, a single family home, could bring in a few thousand dollars a month. Um, I'm now able to offer of one property bring in
1: twenty four thousand. Right, right.
0: Um, conservatively, right? Um, Because our rates here show $125 a night. We're calculating a $75 cleaning fee, which again, would be adding into our nightly rate, but just looking at cost of what we're going to be paying someone to do that. And we are doing a two night minimum. Um, And so really, um now that we're kind of getting into it and we know and we have we've been able to do a little bit more research being out there, seeing the needs, seeing the market trend, uh we know that we're going to be able to push, you know, probably $200 a night most right. night. so that that's, right. that's going to increase our income a lot more.
1: Yeah, I ran mine really conservatively too and I just think it's a good idea because then if you're if you have an like a seasonality um anything like that. It's just always, I run my numbers so conservatively. Yeah. So you've got a net operating income of uh 282,000 per year, and that's before your debt payment. But the reason that we're focused on what the net operating income is, is because that number gets to be used to value the property. And right. I mean, I don't know if you want to talk about that or if you want me to talk about that, but that's really why I was excited about commercial in the first place. Yeah, no,
0: um, I, I mean, I'll, I'll talk about it the, like just from our perspective, um, it's the value that's held by commercial is way higher than the value that's held by a single family home. They don't seem to lose as much value during dips of, um, you know, the economy or whatever, um, or even the markets, um, because it's all based on your revenue and your income versus just being based on the actual property itself.
1: Right. Well, I mean, I mean what If the revenue went down in the economy, then of course yes. it would change. Right. But like, but I guess what attracted me to commercial was like, just because I have a single family home that I rent as an STR. Now I go to sell it just because it has an income does not mean that it's worth more dollars. Like it's still just mm-hmm. worth what someone would be willing to pay for it to live in it. Um, mm-hmm. And you know an appraiser is going to, it, it, I mean, if they're paying cash and it's valuable to them to have an income on the property, great. But if an appraise, if they're going to get a mortgage and an appraiser is um, valuing the real estate, they're going to value it at what it would sell for if someone was just going to live in that house. Whereas with commercial, the value is tied to the income that the property produces. And that's um, the net operating income that Ali has highlighted here to her two hundred eighty-two thousand that this property should produce. So, using a cap rate, you know, we we can basically multiply that um, that two hundred eighty-two thousand, and that becomes our property's value. And that's the huge the huge advantage to commercial is that you're creating wealth or creating equity. When you create income for the property because you bought a piece of real estate that maybe didn't have a great income right and by forcing the income of the property to increase you have now forced the value of the property to go up and that's like the huge draw for me to commercial yeah and why i was so attracted to it so now you've got a property that's probably it i mean probably worth three to four million depending on what cap rate Your appraiser would use, you know, and that's going to be different from market to market. I know that in my market, it would be eight or 9%. Looks like your sheet says seven and a half, but it, you know, for to be super conservative, you could even use 10% um, cap rate. And and that's an easy math to do. So if you have 282,000 of net operating income, you're talking about a $2.8 million piece of real estate. And you know, that's very conservative. It would probably be greater than that. You're probably looking at like three to 4 million for this property. And you guys didn't put that in, but right? you put in less than that. Right. So there's this opportunity to, to build wealth that way. That's really great.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so, yeah, so we, we did, again, these are the numbers that we ran just to, just to acquire the property. And so we, mm-hmm. we ran a seven and a half cap rate and um, after repair value, um came back at 3.7 so which still um after the million purchase price and a million put into it um still leaves us about 1.7 in growth there so which is amazing which again you're not going to see on a single family home right Um, and and again like and i think it's also important to note like for people out there when even though you're running a single family home as a short-term rental and you're running it as a business um, you can sell it as a business, but the people that are coming into appraiser are just like Carrie said; they are just looking at the property. So even though you can fight, and if you end up getting somebody that knows what they're talking about, and they're in the same game as you, and the numbers still work for them, and and they can see that you are a money producing business, it still doesn't matter because it's about the property. Um, yeah, the appraisal that.
1: doesn't change, right? Exactly. Someone might be willing to pay more, but the appraisal doesn't change.
0: Exactly. Yeah. The property value itself doesn't change. So I think that was like kind of a misconception between um, some people as as we've had conversations with people like, well, I can sell this as a business. You, yes and no, right? You can give all the financials to show that this is a business, but that does not change the value of the property from the appraisal.
1: Yeah. And the value gets determined by what someone's willing to pay. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you have a cash buyer who's willing to pay a higher amount because the property has income statements, you know, showing like it shows what it's made. Great. But if it's subject to an appraisal, that's where it becomes an issue. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So
0: um, so, yeah. So if we kind of go over, we can talk about just what our um, split is on the deal that might be important for people, like kind of looking.
1: Yeah. yeah. How did you structure the yeah. investors? Mm-hmm.
0: So we went for a 50 50 split. So, us as the managers uh, retain 50%, um, and then investors that are uh, investing in equity get 50%. Um, mm-hmm. And so, what that looks like for us is we did 500K in equity. So, that basically looks like five investors they're each getting 10% on that side. So 10% equity. Um, We ended up offering them um, a 15% return on their money uh, when we cash out refi. So that was a perk for them to get in on the equity side to be a partner, essentially, as well as getting some on their investment. Um, So what that looks like in terms of money, again, if they're putting 100K in, they're just getting 15% extra of that back
1: at our refinance. Nice. And I think like for people who are curious about syndication, like 50, 50 like LPGP is pretty aggressive and Mm -hmm. really uncommon. But the reason it works here is because you already put in the bulk of the money yourselves personally, and you're only raising 500,000 out of the total that's needed. It's its a smaller amount. So like if you were going in with $0 of your personal money and you were trying to, you know, syndicate everything, you would probably have a different split, but this is like a really great conservative model for your first one too, um, mm-hmm. where you've got the bulk of it on your own personal finances and you're just syndicating this small portion.
0: Yeah. And I, and I think it's important too, to remember that um, if you're going into this with no money, you need to not undervalue yourself as well too, right? Because you're the one bringing the knowledge, the experience. And in our case, yeah. And in our case, the reason we went so aggressive too, is not only are we bringing the knowledge and the experience um, and and the management company that's going to do that, because that's what, we do right. Mm-hmm. Um, we are also the sweat equity partners right. of this deal, which I think is why we were able to get more equity because our um, construction company is doing all the work. Right. So we have a little. We have more stake in the deal than just our investors. So remember that. You know, depending on your situation, like Carrie said, it, it very much is depending on who's doing that. So. If you're like in a unique situation like us and you know you're going to be putting way more work in value that um and and don't be afraid to and your deal can change if the deal's not working you know you're not getting any feedback on that you know so far as like getting any investments and uh it could be the deal structure so you can always come back and and restructure that deal Mm -hmm. to meet those needs yeah yeah um so what it looks like Oh yeah. Let's, yeah. So we're going to talk about what it looks like. Okay. So, uh, let me hit the thing here. So this is how we bought it. Um, so for those of you who don't know, uh, you can see on my name, um, that I am in Blue Ridge. So we mainly host cabins in Blue Ridge, Georgia. Uh, this particular market, you can see it says Ducktown. Uh, it's in a very small city called Ducktown, Tennessee which is still very close to our market. Um, It's about 15 minutes, 20 minutes from our actual market, but it is the only hotel, as you can see in this bottom right um, corner, it is the only hotel on two major highways leading to Murphy, North Carolina. And the particular draw to this market is um, we have a lot of, there's hikers, uh, there's a lot of rafters, that come in for the season, and then, of course, people also want to go to that Blue Ridge um, market. So, yeah, so uh, Bud Light Blue hotel that we bought um, needed a ton of work. Uh, That's in blue. <laughs> that, and I'm not even kidding. We've had the discussion. Um, the homeowners like were like, oh, we need to paint this place. Or, golly, The owners of the hotel were like, we need to paint this place. What are we going to do? And they were literally sitting out here by a fire one night and we're like, oh, look at this Bud Light can. That's what
1: we're doing. Bud Light see. blue.
0: OK. Blue. Um, and that's what they went with. So um, it's not going to be Bud Light blue when we're done.
1: Okay. Um,
0: but yeah, so just so you guys can get a feel. So we have 40 units here. Um, we are condensing that to 35. This is what the inside previously looked like. We are doing some changes. Um, And I'll kind of refer back to this photo in a second. Um, We do have this nice area here that we're also renovating to make a really cool hangout spot outside. And you can, again, see a better photo of that here. It has like a little pergola. So what is it going to look like when we're finished? Well, this is the mood board. Um, So, yeah, so this is what the room design looks like. We're hinting with our little mallard ducks. Um, we're working with, um, some design influence from, uh, a designer that is local to the area. Uh, so we've got a lot of, of their influence in there and that is Gordon Dunning. So if you don't know their stuff and you're kind of into the Southern feel, look up Gordon Dunning, they're in Home and Garden. Um, they're in, uh. I don't remember the other magazine off the top of my head, but um, they're they're in quite a few magazines and they have deals at Dillard's. So um, go check them out. Um, And I'm doing custom wallpaper from uh, the wallpaper store out of Miami, Florida, Florida. So uh, they're really good too. So they made this. I just kind of sent them what my feel was. I wanted it to feel like a pond and play off the pond with the duck. And there we go. And some, some nice slick, um, kind of like, again, not going too upscale, but giving it a classier feel.
1: It's really pretty.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And then, um, adding again, some more wallpaper textures down in the cafe and office section mm-hmm. to try those colors, um, into that area. So love it. Yeah. And, um, some things that we're doing to add value there that's not pictured on our mood board. Uh, we will have, we're turning um, the five rooms that are going away, um, one of them will be a gym. Um, so a, a very small gym for guests. One of them will be a laundry room. Um, so we're offering free laundry for our guests because we do have that avatar that needs it. So we have hikers and we have um, rafters. Yeah. So they, I feel like that was a need uh, when we spoke and kind of done some surveys. They felt like that was a need for them. Um, we're taking two of the rooms um, right next to the office and we are uh, we removed the walls and we are making a cafe lounge area. So we're going to be partnering with uh, companies in the community to bring food over. So we're not handling any food. They're going to be handling the food. They're going to be selling it out of their food truck. We're just offering the space for people to eat there before they go out and do their hiking or rafting or go into the town um, and, and a place for work too, right? Cause we'll have desk and all that. And then the last one is um, we're going to have a game room. Um, and so that was another thing. People felt like uh, this particular town, they kind of wanted something a little kid friendly, something they could do on site. So we're going to have a movie screen and a couch up there and a pool table and some arcade games and some foosball. So it's going to be a lot of cool, fun stuff going on.
1: That's awesome. That's going to be so great. I'm so excited for you. This is really cool.
0: Me too. Yeah. But um, any other questions you got for me, Terry? No,
1: I don't think so. I really love um, the plan that you have and the design. I just think it's amazing. Um, I can't wait to see the transformation from Bud Light Blue to this.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, we got some fun stuff that's going to be going outside too. I haven't got like the mock-ups back on, uh, the exterior stuff, but I'll share them
1: yeah.
0: when we get that.
1: Yes. Please share it when you get it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for diving into your deal with us. I think it really helps, um, for, for those who are also on, on this boutique hotel journey or who are considering it to kind of know what you've, what you've been doing. So thank you for sharing. Oh. Um,
0: Yeah, Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to share this with you guys. Um, And with that being said, though, again, um, as always, if you have a deal coming up and you're looking at ways to structure it, you want some feedback, anything like that, hit us up in the group. Um, So post it in the group. Let all of our followers in there give you some feedback. We'll give you some feedback uh, or, you know, ask us directly and we'll be happy to help.
1: Awesome. Yep. All right.
0: Thanks, guys. Have a great day.